Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today, our guest is Addison Colleen. Addison is a serial entrepreneur based in Lincoln, Nebraska, who has owned multiple practices and is a co-founder of the Dental Success Network. Addison, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So you have a really interesting story is you're a relatively young guy and you have owned a lot of practices and sold a lot of practices and started companies. So kind of tell us your story from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm just a, a boy from Nebraska. Uh, I went, I actually, you know, I went to high school in Omaha, which is an hour away from Lincoln. My high school was actually a five day boarding school. So Monday through Friday, I actually slept at school. We had dorm rooms, storms, it wasn't a military school or anything. It was just a really good academic school run by these uh, Benedictine monks. So I went to school there and then went to St. Louis University for college, uh, spent a couple of years in the <laughs> the not so best part of St. Louis. So if you've ever driven through St. Louis and the part that kind of looks like you shouldn't go there and at nighttime, that's where uh, St. Louis University is. And then I went back to Nebraska for dental school. During my high school and college and then even after college, I actually worked for a restaurant company. So during those years, I started as a host um, in this company, and then I got pulled into being the um, kind of assistant to the CEO and then kind of the lead managerial accountant for the company. And it's it's known for restaurants, and we had a brewery as well, the first brewery in Nebraska, actually, before microbrew was like a cool thing to have in the, in the country. Um, but actually, all of our money was made off of these machines that we sell to the Department of Defense. And so these machines were actually- Wait, wait, wait. You're a restaurant and a brewery that sells machinery to the Department of, Department of Defense. Exactly. So the Department of Defense arm of the company actually made gobs of money. And so the CEO was like, well, I want to have jobs for my buddies. So let's start a brewery and let's do restaurants. And actually he was such a smart guy, very visionary. He said, we're going to, if we're going to do restaurants, we're going to do it right. So basically we copied, you know, basically like a Houston's type of model, right. mid-market American, decent price level, like middle of the road prices in between the Houston's and an Applebee's. And uh, we were lucky enough, you know, he founded it really well. And so the restaurants actually made money, but restaurants are very thin margin business. You know, we're talking on a bad month, it's 2%. And on a good month, it's like 7%. So, you know, you make, you do a million dollars in revenue uh, and you're only making, you know, $70,000 in profit. And so the restaurant isn't, business is just really tough. Um, so that's why you kind of need some businesses on the other side. The brewery helps the restaurants make money, but then really everything's funded by uh, these machines. And so the machines were basically, uh, they erase hard drives. So every, every like, CIA installation, every submarine, every warship, every spy plane, every military base anywhere in the world that's either U.S. or NATO had one of our machines on it. Um, and it was required because our machines were the only ones that were approved by the Department of Defense to 
destroyed data to a level that the you know Russians or Chinese couldn't read the data. So, so yeah, I got I got really good at spreadsheets, really good at numbers. Uh, went back to dental school though because the business world is fun, but you know I wanted to be an artist and a you know so clinician, there, I guess. Was there was there a gap between um, you know undergrad and dental school? No, so it was mostly just like nights and weekends, and and I even worked at that company into dental school. We did a bunch of cool things. We we started a company that would drill geothermal well fields, and oh, then wow. we rented the energy coming off those well fields. So, which is all just like math stuff. It's it's actually not too bad. But we we did a lot of fun stuff like that, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, I did that nights and weekends, and just worked through that. But yeah, then went to dental school. After dental school, I. <clears throat> took about six months of being an associate before I bought into my first clinic. Um, had a couple partners in that clinic. We grew that year over year. We basically added a location every year for about the first six years. We got to six locations um, all across Lincoln and Southeast Nebraska. And then um, basically I started working like, you know, it was like 60 hour weeks every week. And so I just thought, you know what, I got my a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. So I said, you know, this is not a good family move. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to liquidate, sell back to my partners. They still have the company today. Um, and so, yeah, basically I took a year off and that's when we founded the dental success network. So it actually allowed me to focus on that. And, uh, yeah, now the dental success network is a group of about 12 to 1300 dentists all around the country and really the world. And, um, we provide vendor savings and the largest vendor, you know, network, uh, in the world. Uh, we also provide a bunch of online CE from all of the new cutting edge clinical techniques, all the way down to like the boring state required CE that you need just for your license. Um, as well as a bunch of practice management CE from like the smartest minds around like communication all the way down to accounting. And then we also have the community where, uh, real time you could post a case and have, a any one of our like 20 faculty members help you out with it. Uh, we have faculty that are just the brightest minds, people you see published in magazines all the time and stuff. So it's a, it's a pretty awesome place to help dentists from their business to their clinical skills and just feel supported. So let's rewind. You have a lot, you said a lot there. So first thing is you were an associate only for six months. Usually what I hear is people go straight into practice ownership or they're an associate for one to two years. You were only there for six months. What was the, reasoning behind only six months i was uh i went to a town about 30 40 miles away from lincoln <clears throat> in a town with a super high need there's only two practices in town and so i joined the better one um and pretty quickly i could tell that the math behind how they ran the practice was pretty poor um great people but you know when you're when you're fishing in a lake with so many fish, you can be very inefficient with how you're fishing. And that was how this was. Um, the practice was just run very poorly. No attention to, I mean, they were great dentists, great clinicians, um, but no attention to like how well the business is running. And, you know, coming from the restaurant industry where we were squeezing, like we spent a ridiculous amount of time and energy to improve by 1%. When you're in a dental practice and you're like, oh, I can make 10 to 20% you know, profit margin. And they were just not focused on that. And just kind of, they didn't want to give energy to it. Cause they're like, well, I'm doing fine. We're good. Um, that just kind of 
didn't sit well with me and I knew I could not thrive in that environment. So I was like, you know, pretty quickly I started looking for other opportunities and one popped up close to home where I could buy in immediately and uh, basically go from there. Yeah. It's interesting. I hear people say when they want to be practice owners, they say, I'm going to go be an associate for a year or two and learn what I don't want to do and learn and learn from what I was find out what I do like and what I don't like. And for you, it sounds like it was very quick for you to figure out what you don't like. And you're like, all right, I'm out. I've learned enough. And then I'm going to just jump right in. So, yeah. You know, when you, it's kind of like when you're in target and the line, you, you know, you have a couple open stations and the lines are way too long, but then some people are over there doing something else that could be checking you out. And you're like, man, I'm never coming to this target again if they can't run their checkout lines well. Nothing That's, drives me more nuts. Like Walmart will have 30 checkout aisles and like two will be open every yeah. day except for Black Friday. I'm like, good gracious. And that's kind of, you pretty quickly come to the realization like, oh, I don't want to shop here anymore. So it didn't take long. And, you know, I got in with a great practice after that. <clears> that was like ready to grow and ready to be, you know, efficient and everything. So, so yeah. you're young, you're hungry. You go in, you buy in with a, a couple other people <laughs> and you guys are knocking out the park and you just keep growing every year. And then you have, after six years, you've got six practices. Now, granted, mm-hmm. That talk about that. I realized in the back end you were you were working yourself to death, so you decided to get out. But talk about just jumping in with the right people and growing like crazy. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, the growth, the decision to grow, can sometimes be a super difficult one. And if your partners aren't on board, then that's not great because it does take a certain amount of risk and like taking loans out and finding also finding financial institutions that are willing to lend to you at that level. Thankfully, we did it with pretty low uh, debt levels. Um, and we, like everyone was on the same page with growth. So it's like, yeah, we're going to grow it. But then on the back end, yeah, it does take a lot of work. Um, and if you don't build it, I mean, even with good systems, if you don't build it with any systems, you're screwed and you could end yourself in financial ruin, taking out too much debt and not not being able to, to do that. Um, but even then, being the leader in an organization like that is really time consuming and energy consuming. Um, and so you kind of need to be everywhere all the time. Um, and if you're trying to still be a clinician, that's extremely difficult. And so sometimes you have to pay people to be your, your leader or de facto leader, managers, practice administrators. And sometimes those, those people, uh, they can make or break your practice too. And so you have to really hire the right ones. We had a great team. Like we hired a financial like a CFO, we hired a CEO, chief marketing officer, uh, and an HR person. And so we had a, an executive team of four people that that ran everything. <clears throat> but even then, it still takes a ton of energy, time and energy on the owner's part to make sure everything's going well, especially if you have high standards. Um, and so, you know, working with uh, Dr. Costas and the Dental Success Institute, and then when we were forming the Dental Success Network, you know, it kind of was like, man, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, you, you start to see what's possible out there, like how low of overhead you could get and what the energy it was going to take to get from, you know, this side of the chasm to that. And at that point I was already working 60 hour weeks. And so I was like, yeah, I've got young kids at home. So I'm going to, you know, take the money and run and, uh, take a year or two off and then go back and try it on a smaller scale. So you you sell your share of the, of the six practices, kind of take them like for lack of a better term, maybe a sabbatical to kind of recruit, regroup, 
But then you have the idea for the Dental Success Network. And is it fair to say that you're like, okay, I learned a lot between my time as an associate and my time building these six practices. And I could help some people not have to reinvent the wheel and I could create a resource for them. Was that the motivation for the network? Oh, the network, it, it came about, I mean, it was like Dr. Mark Costas, Mike Lomitan, myself. There was like a few other folks at the time of inception that were all like, you know what, if we just put the best people in a room, good things will happen. And, you know, pretty much from day one, good things have happened. You know, you get a lot of smart people in a room, they're going to collaborate. Um, if you get more people in a room, vendors are going to give you better deals. Uh, and then, you know, it, just by recording a bunch of webinars, like through COVID, you know, recording continuing ed classes all the time, we've just come up with like a, a really good library of resources that, um, especially through COVID, like we grew like gangbusters um, then because people were looking for like solid vetted advice that can truly be impactful for somebody's practice. And so, yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, it's also helped. I mean, we've, we give away tons and tons of resources. So like the book that the first book that, um, Mark and I ever wrote together was the dental operations manual. And it's, let me flip through. It's like 300, 280 some pages of just, this is what we run our practices on. He's a multiple practice owner, but you know, for me, I just have my one now. Um, so we wrote that book, uh, going through the startup phase in my practice and all my history of acquiring practices. We wrote a couple other books called the dental startup manual, the dental acquisitions manual. And so we just have so much information and, you know, most likely this is going to save someone five to $10,000, but it could save people hundreds of thousands of dollars by making sure that they don't step in the same potholes that, you know, I stepped in, you know, you learn every acquisition you do, you learn something new. And one of the, the funniest stories is it was uh, the middle of winter. It was snowing. I closed on a practice on a Friday morning and we were going to keep the associate doctor there. Like he, he was going to work for us for a few years, but we buy his real estate and we buy his practice. And as we, you know, I'm super happy. Like we just bought this one. It was, I don't know, $600,000 for both real estate and the practice. And uh, on the way home, I get a call from the guy and he says, well, I just got back to the practice and the uh, sump pump that pumps the sewage out of the practice back uphill to the station or the, to the line, the sump pump is backed up. So there's sewage draining back into the basement of the practice. And he's like, I guess you own the real estate now. So it's your problem. <laughs> and so literally it's like, uh, you know, from, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where Cousin Eddie's like, hey, Clark, the, you know, toilet's full. And that's pretty much the call I got, you know, the, the first hours of the, one of my acquisitions. And so you just kind of learn every every time you do something, you learn more steps. And if we can, and that's like a super tiny thing, but like buying the wrong practice could be a couple hundred thousand dollar hit for both you know, the years, the first couple of years, but also you buy the wrong practice and your trajectory significantly changes later on in life too. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you started the Dental Success Network. What year did that start? 2018. 2018. Then while do, when you're kind of done getting that up and running, you went and started Capital Dental, which is your practice, one location now, right? Yep, one location. Now you're expanding to 
an ungodly size. How big are you expanding to? Uh, we're, we're growing to 14 ups. So yeah, I ended up buying the whole strip mall that I'm in and uh, <clears throat> kicked out three other tenants and yeah, expanding to add 11 or no, adding seven more, eight more operatories. So. so what have you done differently with Capital Dental that you've learned from your six practice experience before and from the things you've learned from DSN? We've gotten a lot more picky on hiring. So we hire like only the best um, positive, you know, I go back to Patrick Lencioni, his, one of his most popular books is the ideal team player. So you have to be humble, hungry, and smart. And so, you know, humble, nobody likes people who are cocky, uh, hungry to work hard. So like my team right now is really hard workers. It's, it's fun to be around and then smart. And that's people smart, like not necessarily book smart, but you know, knows how to have emotional intelligence, I guess. So hire, hire really picky, I guess. And then I just, you know, try to create a positive environment. You know, we do focus on the numbers. Um, obviously one of my, my first books was called by the numbers. And I wrote that back in like 2017, 2018. Um, and that's like the, the top 25 numbers you need to run your practice. And so I do focus on the numbers a lot, but, you know, more than anything, I focus on a positive patient experience and we kind of go all out on that. So when you have happy team members and a great patient experience, you grow really quickly. Um, so, you know, I know from my experience of like the first few months of practice ownership, when you're making $10,000 in revenue for the whole practice every month and you're losing a lot of money. And then now, you know, last year, the third year in, we were at 3.5 million uh, in revenues. And so kind of, I know how it is to feel like you're going to go bankrupt. And then but by just having a great patient experience and um, just kind of making sure you train a lot, like we do, a, we do a lot of training, how to talk to patients, how to just make them feel comfortable here. And that's helped a lot. Uh, we also do $5 nitrous. So that's like, if, if the patient's happy, we're happy. So kind of we plumb nitrous to every room to make sure that if a patient wants it, like we can turn it on for any appointment. So what if, what if someone's listening here and they're like, man, that's amazing what Addison is doing and done, but I don't have that skill set. You know, I can't build a practice like that. How do you address those challenges or concerns people have saying, oh, you can do that, but I can't. How do you help uh, people do that? Oh, I'd, I'd say like what I've done is nothing special. It's just by learning from the best practices of other people. You know, I've got a lot of friends all across the country and, you know, by leaning on them, like asking them questions, sometimes physically going to their practice and just saying like, Hey, can I spend a day in your practice? You know, I'm going to be in town. Uh, let me stop by. And, you know, usually, I mean, dentists, we're often, kind of siloed into our own individual little offices. So when we see how somebody else does it, our minds can be blown by like, oh man, I never thought of that. So I think that's the power of like the Dental Success Network is you now have a close-knit group of people that you can kind of go anywhere in the country and be like, you know what, I, can I stop into your practice for a few hours and just see how you do things? And so really, if someone's trying to re recreate what I did, like it's not magic, it's just by, you know, not making as many mistakes as I did before. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's the, the biggest thing is like, it's nothing too special. It's just, um, it's kind of like money ball in baseball, just making small, 
good decisions day after day and not not swinging too hard for the fences, trying to like hit homers all the time. It's interesting. You you bring up a good point about Dennis being siloed because physicians all typically work in a large group practice or a hospital. So they're around each other all the time. So they can easily brainstorm where dentists are siloed into just individual buildings or businesses. So unless you join a community like Dental Success Network, you're really siloed and not in a position to uh, learn from other people. And it can really make a big difference in, in your in your life. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's and it goes from the clinical side, you know, like, hey, I'm seeing a lot of these implant failures, like what's going on? Having someone who is a like an implant expert, like we have a one periodontist in New York City, who's the leading expert on implant failures, you know, having him kind of walk you through like, well, what what's going on? Why is this? You know, that could save you tens of thousands of dollars right there and failed implant costs um, all the way to just, you know, how to run your business, how to do cash flows, how to do some of these things. Um, and they don't teach any of that, that in dental school, you know, really, you know, the money side of things is kind of treated as such a taboo topic that, um, it is actively avoided in dental school, which I think is to the huge disservice to people coming out with four to $500,000 in debt. I mean, it's just crazy. So I think the more that you can surround yourself by good people and people that are, you know, have gone through it yourself, uh, or gone through it themselves you know, that's just a huge trajectory changing moment for a lot of folks. It really is a good point about dental school because as a practice owner, you are a business owner. And I tell people owning a dental practice is like sitting on a winning lottery ticket if you actually run it the right way. But they teach you nothing about business or finance. It's all clinical. And while you need the clinical, you do need the finance as well. Yeah, 100%. So, so if someone is like, Hey, I'm not familiar with the dental success network, where can I learn more? Where, where can they learn more about the dental success network and how to get involved? Yeah. So uh, dental success network.com is our website. You know, if folks are in the podcast, obviously they're listening to yours. Um, Dr. Mark Costas does one called the Dentalpreneur, um, where he interviews super interesting, you know, guests and uh, business leaders and thought leaders. And then we also have the daily dental podcast, um, and that's me where basically I take one tidbit off of the Dental Success Network every day for about three to five minutes where we just kind of give tactical little tips. So if you're on your drive to work, you only have five minutes, you can kind of pick up and uh, see, learn what's going on in the network and hopefully help it improve your practice. And Mark's podcast, The Dentalpreneur, is the largest podcast in the dental industry. And if you're listening to my podcast and you don't know about Mark's, please email me so I can brag to Mark and rub it in his face. <laughs> exactly. If you're one of those people that has not been one of his like nine or 10 million downloads, then uh, yeah, you're in the minority. Yeah. You should be listening to the dentalpreneur if you're not. So Mark, Mark's fantastic. Super nice guy. Uh, Addison knows him really well. I know him a little bit. So check out the, the two, that podcast and Addison's little five minute podcast as well. Um, it, it's a, it's a great tool. And you just have to surround yourself with people. I'm just a big believer in not re reinventing the wheel. And if you can connect with people all over the country who have already done it before you or have a different perspective, it's definitely worth the time. Yeah, exactly. It's not about reinventing the wheel because that's one of the reasons why we wrote the operations manuals because some people were charging 
consulting packages of like $50,000 for, you know, selling a uneditable PDF for a thousand dollars. And it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to break that system. You join DSN, you get all the downloads for free, get videos that come with it. Like, it's just, we, we want to kind of get rid of that, that uh, idea that to learn how to run your business takes $50,000. Like, no, it doesn't like it can be done uh, in a much better fashion in today's world. Yeah. It's such, it's such good insight. Learning how to run a business to create the wealth that you've worked so hard for. This is fantastic. Addison, it's been an enlightening conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brannan is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc. and Investment Advisory Representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.